I'll say that my confidence in myself has been restored a bit in my ability to sit through my own sit. Because yesterday I tried to sit up here with Gil. I was in bad shape yesterday. And, um, and so I tried, you know, the, my, the whole, my whole approach to how bad of shape I was in yesterday was to try to like just macho it out, just tough it out. And so I woke up and um, my son and I had uh, stayed in the same, had slept in the same bed, and, but I, had, was, I got progressively worse through the night. And um, so when I woke up, I really tried to like uh, Buddhistify my uh, macho approach to how I was going to handle being sick. I even gave like a talk to my son about it. I was like, you know, so I, I woke up, I did 100 push-ups and uh, that was not smart. And, um, but, I, but the endorphins from the push-ups, I felt better in that moment. I gave my, this whole talk to my son about, you know, I know I'm sick, but I'm, I'm going to do some exercise because it's kind of the counterintuitive thing to do. And the Buddha's whole path is counterintuitive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to have to talk to him about this again. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it is true <laughs> that, that that's the remarkable thing about this path is that um, what we ordinarily think is going to make us happy usually um, winds up being a source of discomfort. And the things that we wouldn't ordinarily associate with happiness and freedom, you know, just sitting still and watching our breathing isn't the same as going out and getting blasted. So, but one of those options actually makes you more free and the other one gives you a hangover. Um, and so, as I got worse and worse and worse yesterday, I'm not all the way better, but I'm a lot better thanks to Amy. Is Amy here? Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Um, and to everybody that was just um, so kind and uh, gentle with me yesterday. But I remember, so there was a point yesterday where I was in my room, I was just tossing and turning and moaning like out loud. And uh, it's bad. And I just remembered feeling like, gosh, I just want to feel like myself again. I just want to come back to how I'm supposed to feel. Um, and that was more of a reminder of what um, our path as um, spiritual practitioners is about than you know, getting up and trying to push up my way out of strep throat. Um, the idea that when we are not well, 
we know that we're not well because we don't feel like ourselves um, is the sort of, I guess, the beginning of being on any spiritual journey. It's like something doesn't feel right. I don't feel as well as I know intuitively and instinctively that I can and that I should. You know, I should feel better than this and I don't feel well, so I've got to do something to feel better. Um, and from a spiritual standpoint, you know, we get sick through any number of pathogen, pathogenic causes. Um, something comes into our system and sets our system off balance. And even in our system's attempt to correct itself, it can make us feel that much more lousy. And my body was trying to burn out whatever was in there, and it was just making me feel worse and worse. And so when we are on, just in our daily lives, and it's not a matter of physical disease, but it's the dis-ease of um, not remembering who we are. Um, we find ourselves distant from ourselves for any number of reasons. So I want to begin my talk with you guys by just by saying three words that I want you to, like uh, they say in Zen, to just hold between your teeth forever and ever and ever. And those three words are, you are enough. Those, that, it's those three words that we forget. It's, it, it, is the, it is the forgetting of those three words that sets us off on a spiral of discomfort and dis-ease um, throughout um, our lives. And if we can remember in a micro and macro way that we are enough, you know, especially when we are feeling not up to the task or inadequate or um, far away from ourselves. You know, we were given this mind or we've inherited this mind and body exactly as we are and it's exactly as it should be. We don't have to grow wings. We don't need a beak or a mane or any other things than what we were born with. We were born with enough. And we all, our birthright is this enoughness. And so I think that really what enlightenment or Nibbana is, is the complete remembering, the complete realization that, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> I was fine from the beginning. We practice this way f from the premise that we are actually fine from the beginning, that there's nothing really wrong with us, that, we're, that we just need some more encouragement to remember that we're okay. And... The Buddhist path is really a call to remember. Rem he said it himself that I didn't find anything new. Uh, what was his metaphor? He said that 
it is as though there was a path to a great and beautiful city that had been covered, that hadn't been traveled for a long time and had been covered by brush and vine. And I happened to stumble upon this path and find this city again. But I didn't discover anything. I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm just teaching you to remember uh, who you are. And this is a path of remembering. Um, and so I find that the teachings of mindfulness and that this practice in general, so much of it is about coming back. You know, our minds are like these helium balloons and we're like children, you know, and we gradually we get distracted by this or that and our grip on our balloon. I don't know, this used to happen to me all the time, so maybe it just hits home, but my dad would take me to the grocery store and we'd get a helium balloon on the way out. And then as we're leaving, I'd, just, I'd be seeing this or that. And, and then before I knew it, my balloon was in the sky and it was, oh, there's nothing more tragic <laughs> than watching your balloon get smaller and smaller and smaller. And, um, and it, 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 it happens to us often that you know, we become distracted by things and we lose our balloon. And so, so much of the instruction on the path is to don't let your balloon go. Just be, as it's drifting, just grab it and gently bring it back. Um, you know, with this emphasis on, hey, okay, I know that you've steered away, but it's okay. You can just steer yourself back gently. You know, that says to me that there's always this starting place or this home base that's just fine as it is. And that really all we have to do is just keep circling ourselves back to who and what we are. But there are so many things that encourage us to forget the, the way that we were raised, for instance, you know, the stories that we adopted about ourselves from the people who were either well-meaning or not. Um, so many little instances, that one time that that one person said that one thing and that we define ourselves by that instance forever and ever and ever. Does anybody have that experience? Anybody have had that one instance where somebody said that one thing and then we've allowed that one thing to sort of shape how we see ourselves and how we move in the world. <clears throat> and sometimes that one thing comes, that, that, that one word or that one phrase, you know, comes from an authority, comes from our own parents or grandparents or brother or sisters, like you're not this or you are this, and you just swallow that and accept it and you just run with it. And that is, that's a, it's a forgetting, you know. The idea that we don't have any real solid uh, identity to, to hold on to um, is actually very freeing. You know, I can just continue to be this evolving thing. But oftentimes, the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that have been told to us by others um, encourage us to forget that we are these naturally free and open and fluid beings. Um, our own traumas, 
our own victories and um, how we identify in a group sense, you know, as racially or um, culturally. You know, there was a time where I considered myself black first and then everything else second. And that it was a betrayal to consider myself in any other way. But there's a way in which I can completely honor my experience as a black person and the experiences of black people in America and globally without, that doesn't mean that I have to um, um, put those experiences in that type of identification before my humanity. You know, what is the more powerful stance to have? You know, I'm a human being. Well, that puts me in league with seven billion people. You know, if I'm just one thing first, then um, my perspective is limited. That's not to say that it's not the first perspective that I go to when I need perspective. But I found it more empowering to be a human being first. I found myself less... angry. As a, as, a, as a black man, a young black man in America, there's no, there's no real way to understand what that is like unless you are one. What it's like to, for people to just be afraid of you for no real reason. I, don't, I sometimes won't walk so close to, if I see like a white woman on the street, I'll not walk if I, even if I've got somewhere to go, then I'll like cross and walk fast. Because for my own safety and for, you know, I don't want to just walk up behind somebody too quickly. I'm a big black guy. You know, and I know that that can be disconcerting for some people. And that is sad. And so, and that is painful. And there, and, and... I've got to teach my son about that and all kinds of stuff. And so if I stay in that place um, and I only focus on identifying from that space, then I lose the power to crack that and to break that. You guys love my big black self. Same way I appreciate myself as well. And I'm not afraid to be myself in, with all my aesthetics and accoutrements or whatever. Because I don't really care to um, uphold or uh, you know, support um, hiding how I like to be in the world. Uh, you know, because of how other people might perceive it. So I'm iconoclastic in that way. But um, it is more fun to be human 
it's more fun to have a cultural point of reference, but to be a part of a big human family. And I, and I like having fun. So that's, that's what I've decided to be, is to be a human being first. But our identity and our stories and our experiences can help us forget our own humanity and help us forget our true spiritual nature as inherently free. That's like the Buddha's message, right? Like you are free and perfect already. Just notice with your breathing. You can just breathe. You can just move. You're just, you're already free. Everything about you is free. Your heart beats freely. The blood moves through you freely. You're free. Free from the beginning. Only thing that's not free is, the, is your perception of your, your free self. And so we forget ourselves and then we can feel ashamed about how much we've forgotten ourselves. And we can feel so distant from what we know we should be that we don't think that we deserve to come back. That's the really painful part, is when we feel so far away, or, when, or if we've, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just when we feel far away from ourselves. And we say that, you know, I've drifted so far out to sea that I can't even see the shore anymore. And there isn't, I don't deserve to come back. Um, and, you know, I'll, we can feel that way th- in our lifetime through any number of things, to the way that we are in relationship, how we are with ourselves. Um, uh, drugs and alcohol can push us way out to sea. Um, unhealthy relationships can push us way out to sea. Um, mistakes that we make um, in raising our children or being spouses can push us way out to sea and can give us this sense that I don't deserve to come back. And so remembering those three words that you are enough, I am enough. You know, I've just forgotten. I've just drifted in the same way that our minds, and there's a precedent for drifting as much as there's a precedent for returning. Because we notice when we sit in our meditation that we drift. And then we remember and try to gently bring ourselves back. And so I think that it's, I think that what the Buddha offered in terms of a teaching is very radical. There's no distance, there's no, there's no, there's nothing, you can't go, there's no further away that you can go where you can't come back from. There's nothing you can't come back from. The, the monk uh, Angulimala, <clears throat> who was um, a serial killer, basically, he was just running around, killing people, chopping their fingers off, and, uh, and, he came across the Buddha one day and was like, oh, big prize, big fish, I'm about to get you. And um, the, he could never catch up to the Buddha. I don't know if you guys know this story, but he could never catch up to the Buddha. And he kept trying to catch him and he just yelled out to the Buddha, finally, stop. And the Buddha said, I've, I've been stopped. 
It's you who need to stop. And that kind of just bewildered Angulimala. And the Buddha brought him into the fold. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if I, that's like, that's like bringing like, you know, just the worst person you could possibly think about into the fold. And the Buddha was like, all right, yeah, you can come on. It's not going to be easy for you because nobody likes you. But um, and people are afraid of you. But you are not left out either. Um, um, there's a story. I can't remember who. There's a story in the Bible. It's similar, though, when uh, Jesus is resurrected. And there's somebody who really did not believe at all. And that was the first person that Jesus asked for. It was like, where's that guy who said that, you know, this couldn't happen? Just go bring him because I want to be a part of this party too. You know? And I love those two stories because it just speaks to the fact that, you know, even at our absolute worst, we're not alone at sea. We can always come back. And in that way, you know, our life becomes this big meditation where we might drift. We might drift for years, but we can always, 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 always return to ourselves and return to who we are. And I think that is the beauty of the message of the Buddha's path, is that you are enough. The only problem is that you forget. And the practice is that of remembering. And so we make a practice of remembering by practicing in every moment. We can just feel our bodies in our seats or, you know, just wherever we are right now. When we're walking, we can feel our feet on the ground. And we'll notice that our minds have drifted and drifted and drifted and we can just short circuit that. It's amazing. I was walking with this guy uh, in my neighborhood, older guy, and... um, now, I live in a, in a uh, decent neighborhood where there aren't that many people that look like me. And, uh, and this guy, uh, is an older guy, so, and he's been there for a while. So I know, every t- I, I know every time he sees me sauntering down the block, he's just like, what has become of the neighborhood? And, um, but we started walking, and I was uncomfortable also. I was like, man, I don't really feel like uh, running into this old white guy right now. And, um, but it was inevitable. Our paths were about to meet because we had a major power outage. And so all the neighbors were out and I was just taking the kid for a walk. But I, you know, I get some looks in my neighborhood or whatever. And, you know, and I, and so I just didn't want to have to have any of those uncomfortable false interactions, you know, those like fake hellos. And so I just kind of put some pep in my step, but he was like, he stopped. He was like, have you talked, you know, did they tell you when the power's coming back on? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. He was like, well, let's go ask him. I was like, oh. all right. So we start walking. And then the, cat, the, the average, the, you know, the regular stuff comes up. Who are you? What do you do? And I was yeah, so I'm an artist and I'm a teacher of mindfulness. He's like, mindfulness, huh? What's that about? And I was like, well, all right. So um, right now. Uh, can you feel what it's like every time your feet come in contact with the ground? 
He was like, sure, sure I can. I was like, all right, well, for the next few steps, let's just focus on, let's just put our attention there where our, our, every time our feet touch the ground. And then I was like, well, can you hear like the sounds of the cars kind of going by right now? He's like, yeah, sure I can. I was like, okay, well, let's just open our ears to the sounds that are around us right now. He's like, yeah. And then he said it without being prompted. He said, you know what? You know, it just settles you down. I was like, yeah, it does. And he's like, you know, I just, all the stuff that I was thinking about, I'm not thinking about it anymore. I was like, yep. That's right, because this is the only, only thing that's happening is right now. In our minds, they just ruminate about the past, and they jump forward and anticipate the future, but really, none of that's happening. Only thing that's happening is your feet on the ground, the sounds around you, your breathing. It's very simple. And, um, and yeah, and you know, when he, he went off to go golf, and power came back on, and, but it was, it was a nice mo- a nice moment of someone that had previously lived a long time without ever practicing mindfulness or anything like that, who had like a, you know, a short glimpse of the benefits of returning, of coming back to the moment. And so the practice of coming back to ourselves, this whole thing is one big return home. And you know how it feels when you've been on a long journey and you finally or walk into your door and you open the door and you get in and you're just, oh, I'm home, oh. That feeling is just the best feeling on earth. And when you're really sick and you start to get better and it's like, oh, I'm starting to feel like myself again. Those are metaphors for what I believe is the goal of our spiritual practice. And finally, you know, oh, I'm back. I'm home again. I'm back to who I've been this whole time. And so we can practice returning in every moment, just noticing our feet on the ground, noticing our bodies in our seats, noticing the breath in our lungs, the sounds around us, and short-circuiting our tendency to forget. Because we can, our forgetting happens insidiously and imperceptively. You know, one thought will lead to another. One thought will lead to a feeling, and that feeling will lead to other thoughts. And... Oh, just here earlier, um, who was, oh, I think Gil was saying, remember a time when you were, you felt very comforting and comforted and calm. And I thought about watching Daffy Duck with my mom. And then I thought, oh God, I don't want my mom to die. And then I just went off on the spiral and it wasn't very comfortable at all. And I had to just come back to just the point that I started at, which is where it was comfortable. And I was comforted. And so I immediately, I completely forgot the point. <laughs> and then, but I was able to come back. And so we can practice remembering in every moment. And we don't have to shame ourselves or beat ourselves up when we forget. When we drift way, way, way out to sea. When, we, when we've done things that are harmful to ourselves and maybe hurtful to others, and we feel that we don't deserve to come back to shore. You know, we don't have to listen to those voices. The message of the Buddha's path and the message of any spiritual path is that you are enough and that you deserve just as much as anybody else to come home to yourself and to be happy. And to be happy just 
the way you are, just as you are. Earth, fire, wind, water, space, and this beautiful energy of mind, just free and open naturally. And that is my time with you guys. So, appreciate you. Three words, you are enough. Thanks. Yeah? Okay, cool. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.